Aloha, my name is Kat Lobindan. I am of Tongan and Samoan descent, uh, born in Fiji, raised in Hawaii. And I've been a part of the Polynesian Voyaging Society for nearly three years. I mean, although I've been following them since 1975 as a child, I just finally got involved uh, about three years ago um, through one of my mentors, uh, Captain Bonnie Kahapea of Kanehunamoku. And uh, she just said, hey, Kat, um, I think the Vaka, the Vaas are going to be sailing from Samoa to Tonga, you know. And since those are two ancestral homes for me, there was no question in my mind that, you know, I had to find a way to earn my way on there. And that's how I got involved. Aloha mai kako. My name is Moani Kili'ikulihemuli. I am of Hawaiian and Tongan um, and I come from Hakiwu, Oahu, uh, in Hawaii. And I've been involved with the Va'a for about eight years now. And uh, my first encounter with Hokule'a was when I was five years old, when they came back from uh, the South Pacific. And I uh, set foot on the canoe, and I was hooked ever since. The... Hokulea was built in 1975. Um, it was an idea by Herb uh, Kawai Nui Kane. And it was just right in the beginning or in the midst of the Hawaiian Renaissance. And uh, there was just the vision um, to uh, learn Hawaiian navigation. Again, you know, Moani uh, can probably know more of the details, but um, they first launched in 1976 on the maiden voyage to Tahiti. Yeah, Hokulea, Star of Gladness. Morning, were you even alive then? No, I was not. I was not born yet. She was launched um, where I'm from in Hakipu'u, Kualoa. And that was where she was first initially put into the water. And then um, she did her first voyage uh, successfully navigated by Maupi'ai Lug. And Who is a legend. Yes, a great legend. Um, and he is our uh, teacher. But he's since passed on, but he has left um, lots of young navigators around the Pacific. So here in Aotearoa, there are a bunch of navigators. And I know Hawaii, we have five. And um, the two that are navigating currently um, are the next navigators in Hawaii. Yeah. At the moment, we're sitting in a whare in Newtown, and you're both waiting for Hukulea to arrive in Aotearoa. Yes. That's correct. And you've already sailed it. Yes. Um, I was on Hikianalia and Moani was on Hukulea. Yeah. yeah. But we, we travel as one va'a. We sailed from Pangapango, American Samoa, um, October 20th, uh, from Pangapango to Vava'u, Tonga, and then from there to Tongatapu. And then three hours by Air New Zealand from Moani and I to Aotearoa. So we're talking to to Waka here, right? Yes, That's to right. Waka. And how many people are on that crew? Hokulea has 12 crew members, and Hikanalia have 14. Moni can correct me if I'm wrong, but they can max out at 14 for Hokulea and 16 for Hikanalia. Yeah, I think in total we had 31 when we left um, Pongo, and then Kat and I hopped off, and so roughly... And what's the gender split on the waka? It's pretty even. I think there's about um, four wahine on hokulea, and the rest are male. And then um, it doesn't sound even. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Actually, I think we had more more vahine on Hikyanalia. I think at least six or seven. I think we were more leveled there. And what about age? We had various ages. Yeah. Um, I was currently the youngest, and then um, we had up to uh, sixty. Uncle Mel is sixty. Yeah, sixty right. years old. So is the range is, I mean, anywhere from the twenties to the sixty division. Now, what kind of preparation do you go through to even consider being part of that crew? Well, first of all, you start by volunteering um, and keep that connection with the va'a. And then uh, once you're selected, um, you go through lots of physical training. Um, so what, is it the mental agility first? Basically, they want to see your commitment um, see how committed you are, if it's just a one-time show for you or if it's going to become a part of your life. And I think for Kat and I, it became part of our lives. Um, so that's how that started. I mean, it's a hell of a commitment, eh? Hey? Oh, amazing commitment, I mean. You know, um, being part of the Va'a community, this is truly a family, you know, and the commitment is, you know, it's good to get, you get excited and say, yeah, I want to be part of Hokulea Worldwide Voyage and stuff, but, you know, it shows up. Your commitment shows up when you show up for dry dock work, you know, um, sanding and doing whatever is needed. It's just standing by, uh, being ready to move when you're instructed to to help in any way you can. And so, like Moni said, yeah, it's it's a life it's a lifelong commitment for us. You know, it's, it's for me. I know, and I know for Moni, there's no looking back. You know, is there also a financial commitment? There is. Um... Being on the voyage, you're away from home. So, you know, if you have a mortgage or, you know, your kids are at home, someone's got to monetarily take care of them. And then you're also missing out of work for two months. So you're not making money. And um, because we're all volunteer, we don't make money off of this voyage. But we do it for the experience and for the love of Hawaii and um, the love of our, uh, of our earth, really, because of this message that we're trying to spread. Right, so the voyage, the theme is Malama Honua. In Hawaiian, Malama is to nurture, to care for, sustain, and Honua is island earth. And so, you know, we see the, the devastating uh, effects of climate change and globalization. So um, the message is, you know, taking care of our oceans because over 70% of our oxygen comes from the ocean, and when the ocean is unhealthy, then that just becomes unhealthy for everyone that breathes, um, as navigator Kayulani Murphy, you know, states. Um, and so, and it's just going back to indigenous, if you're looking from the culture aspect, it's going back to indigenous roots of how do we take care of the land and the ocean and our environment. Um, so it, what's great about it is because science now and scientists are beginning to validate a lot of the ancient practices of Malama Honua. Yeah, I mean, it's more than just um, recycling and doing those things, but we're also looking at different ways of shipping because that has a great impact, especially in Hawaii. Um, I think 90% of our food comes from um, shipping containers. Yeah, so just trying to live a more sustainable lifestyle with um, solar energy and less fossil fuels. I mean, for a whenua that looks so lush and fertile, what is it, 95%? of your food source is shipped in. Yeah, it's imported um, usually from uh, North America. 
I mean, that's that's staggering to think of, think about. Yeah, it really is. And um, to think back that Hawaiians had about a million people population back in the day, and um, now we can't even sustain ourselves, but the Hawaiians back in the day could actually sustain themselves. That's uh, that's the hardest part. And the, the worst part to think is if there is a major hurricane or tsunami to hit Hawaii, you know, we have about four days' supply to feed, just feed the people, you know. Or if the shipping companies go on strike or, yeah. you know, something like that, the stevedores don't work. Um, yeah, they say we run out of food in four days, starvation sets in in about a week. So we're really in a bad situation if, you know, a major disaster did hit Hawaii. I mean, that places your whole economy in, under such vulnerability. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. When you're out on the Moana, do you get a sense of how mankind has affected that ecosystem? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And then also when you're out at sea or when you're leaving cer- certain ports, you, it's just you see so much rubbish, you know, and... We when we were floating in the ocean, floating in the ocean. When we we did a training cell in in Pangopango, and even far five miles out at sea, you know, there was a chair floating in there, cardboard, uh, potato chip bags, uh, soda cans, plastic water, empty plastic bottle, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, we pick up whatever we can yeah, when we're in the ocean. So yeah, definitely, you can see the signs out at sea. But then you're not really able to uh, carry around excess weight on the waka though are you no uh we don't but you know if we pick up a few you know plastics here and there we do store them until we get to a place where we can recycle them but uh yeah it's, it's unfortunate that the ocean is uh, especially in the pacific ocean i don't know if you've heard of the the garbage patch islands and um uh, that's just incredible i think they say now it's uh, twice the size of texas or even you know the country of france um and so our sea creatures, you know, the, the, the kaimoana, they're all eating plastics. Um, birds are eating them. You know, they're being dissected and all this stuff is found um, in their bellies. So it's very unfortunate. When you're on the... I mean, does it get boring being on the waka? It's never boring on the, on the canoes. Um, you know, we get to learn a lot about each other on the canoes, Um just sharing stories, where you're from, you know, past life experiences. Can't have any personal issues, right? No, I mean... Not on a tiny little space like no, that. No, but before um, before we leave, we kind of do a ho'oponopono session. And it's just like um, we cleanse ourselves and then we talk about any issues. And basically you have to separate yourself from land before you go on the ocean you have to make sure that what you're leaving behind is okay and you don't have to worry while you're on the ocean because so what do you mean by separate from land before you go on the ocean separate from land meaning um take care of all of your land responsibilities make sure there's you know if there's spouses or partners and stuff there's you know make sure everything is in hawaiian is pono everything is fine um, so when you're out at sea, you can just really focus on on your crew and just, you know, your own safety. Uh, and it's not boring, just to answer your question. Um, when we have downtime or when we're off watch, you know, we help each other out. Or like Moni said, you know, we get to know each other better. We bond. We play music. We tell jokes. We, you know, this Play music? Yeah, what we, about the batteries? 
No, no, we have um, the guitar and ukulele. You know, some of the crew members bring. I know my captain brought his guitar, and uh, one of our media guys had his ukulele. Is that the first thing to go overboard if anything goes wrong? Uh, I would hope not. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, Mariah, um, Moni talked about a lot of the physical fitness we go into. And, you know, it doesn't matter how fit a person is. You know, if they don't have the right attitude and the right heart and the right, you know, psychology um, to be out at sea with us, you know, because we have to depend on each other. For You know, our lives are literally in each other's hands, so we've got to get along and genuinely get along. You know, it's not just like, okay, you know. But, um, and it's it's a tight-knit community, and I think it's it's a good metaphor for just life in general, you know, and nurturing your relationships and making sure they're healthy and, you know, that you're ready to pull someone out, you know, if they, you know, even metaphorically fall in deep sea or something. Um, it's just being there for one another, you know, and it's, I think it's a great message. It's, you know, how are we going to take care of the earth if we can't take care of each other? Are there ever any gender issues that arise in the boat? Oh, hold on. I mean, waka. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Mariah. Um, if there have been, I would say it's unrealistic to say there hasn't been or there might not be, but uh, on my voyage, I didn't see anything like that. Um, uh, there's, you know, everyone is equal as far as responsibilities. Everybody has different responsibilities, of course, but... Um, you know, nobody's cut any slack because you're a girl or you're older than that. But, you know, a lot of the young guys, you know, they're really great uh, because they'll, if they see me struggling with something, oh, Auntie, I've got it, you know, and I'll just say either, no, let me do it or let's do it together. Uh, but there's that camaraderie. Yeah, everyone's generally equal apart from the captain, of course, is um, who we um, uh, take orders from and now watch captains. Because being on a contained space for that period of time, there's an intimacy that occurs between everybody, right? Yes. Which brings me to the question about bathing and ablutions and things like that. On Hikianalia, we actually have a toilet, and um, so we're fortunate in that sense uh, for showers. And, you know, there's a hose. We use... um, we use uh, seawater, the water from the ocean, and the the water comes through the hose. You can use a bucket. And, you know, we usually, in our swimming clothes, we, we bathe, and then we go into our bunk or even to the bathroom and um, use clean wipes to wipe off a lot of the salt water. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's been fine for me so far. I haven't had, I know a little bit more tricky on hokulea. Moni can probably talk about that one. <laughs> Yeah, so hokulea, showering, we have um, two bunks in the back, which are the most private bunks that you can get. There's like a big curtain you can close and, you know, it's all about everyone knowing their personal space. You know, people aren't going to try and peep in on you because we have that um, family kind of personalities to everybody. So... We all know, you know, but I mean, if they're taking really long, we like just check on them, make sure they didn't fall overboard or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Because we do scoop water with buckets to shower. And then um, in order to use the bathroom, we don't have a toilet like Hikianalia, but we do have harnesses and you kind of just lean out and do the squat and then grab your toilet paper. And um, so you use toilet paper. Yeah, we do use toilet paper. That's um, sometimes you'll get a bidet, 
and it'll the waves will kind of hit the side of the canoe and shoot up, and you'll get really wet. But um, other than that, yeah, we use toilet paper or baby wipes. Yeah. And what about if you're menstruating? Well, if you're menstruating, you just do what you would normally do, but um, you won't just dispose of your sanitary pads or tampons, you know, carelessly. You'd store them, you know, in a receptacle or Ziploc bag or something until you get to land and can dispose of them properly. Yeah, definitely no special treatments. Yeah. Um, you know, we go through it, and we we all know how to deal with it, so we just deal with it. So I'm a bush girl. So what you've just described are things that we would do in the bush as well. Yeah. You know, there aren't showers there, but then there are usually rivers. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. can have a, you know, have a wash. And having um, travelled overseas, I mean, this may sound a little shallow, but after spending that amount of time at sea, do you end up getting sick of your clothes? <laughs> well, um, first of all, we, we pack, we're limited with what we pack. Right, so we have like most of us are in like our swimming or board shorts or you know beach stuff because in the tropics it's a little bit warmer. But we do have foul weather gear, cold weather gear. Um, no, actually it's quite nice not having to worry. And you know when you most of the stuff we have is um, like quick dry, and so we just when we wear one we wash the other and just you know they hang on the canoe. And of course by the time the canoes get into port everything's nice and put away. Everybody's laundry's put away, but. Um, no, it's quite nice actually not having to think about, you know, having to change so many clothes and, and things like that. And uh, it's fine. And like Moni said, um, also when you go to the bathroom or you take a shower, you always let somebody know when you go and you let them know when you come back. So just to make, you know, just so we're accounted, everyone's accounted for. Yeah, I think it's um, really different from being on land, you know, one set of clothes and it's usually just board charts, but. Um, I think getting on land is the hard part because we all have to be coordinated with our matching polo shirts but and matching lava lavas. Um, but that's always the hardest part, yeah. But the best feeling is getting fresh washed clothes once you get on land. Yeah, because it's just like being in the bush. It's like the best feeling when you come out is having a hot shower. Yeah, yeah. hot shower, ice cream, and um, we usually like shave ice. And then, um, yeah. But it's always a, an adjustment. I know it's always an adjustment when you go from the bush after being there for a long period of time then coming into the city or touching land. Is it the same for when you come back into port? It definitely is. Once we get into port after being in sea for so long, we get uh, what we call dock rock. And it's like you're still swaying as if you're still on the ocean. And that's the hardest part to get used to. We start walking a little different and, you know, because we're so used to an unstable kind of always rocking. Missing but, a step. <laughs> yeah, miss a step here and there. But but definitely coming back to land is the hard part for a lot of us. And I, I think especially, you know, on this worldwide voyage, going back to Hawaii mm. and going back to your normal life with, your job and your regular nine to five. That's that's the hard part for us. Because it'd have to be a psychological adjustment, eh? Because there's there's that thing about when you're completely in tune with your environment and what's happening, where everything is determined by the sun rising and then setting, birds, you know, all of that, and the logging that you have to do. Is that right? right. Yeah. Yeah. We all keep journals. 
of the voyage, you know, experiences or even the apprentice navigators, you know, what they're learning, uh, what they're discovering. Um, the adjustment, as Moni said, is definitely hard. I Usually when we do training sales in Hawaii, I do get the dock rock, but I haven't, um, I, I didn't from Samoa to Tonga. Um, I was fine um, on land and at sea. Um, but I think it was the, it's the psychological adjustment, you know, because you still embracing this experience, you know. Um, Wani said it best the other day is that you learn a lot about yourself at sea and about the people that you're with. Um, it's, the, the relationship is just different and it has to be, you know. The, I think it just has to be that deep because your lives, like I said earlier, is in each other's hands. And just coming back to reality, you know, as much as I miss Hawaii and looking forward to get back, at the same time, I'm a bit apprehensive as to my um, the the state of my emotions, because um, I really believe in this in uh, the voyage, the mission, um, and then just being able on a personal quest to honor the memory of my ancestors. You know, my you know Samoa and Tonga ancestral homes for me. And to be able to do that, I, you know, went to my grandmother's grave and I just said to her, Granny, I'm here. You know, the Hawaiians brought me on the canoe and I'm here, you know, just to honor your memory. And it was just, you know, it's things like that, you know, and how do you translate that back into the hustle of bustle of, you know, our um, modern day life, you know. So. And we're Polynesians, so we're, we're voyagers. Right. I can only imagine how absolutely incredible it must be to be sailing across Te Akiwa and just tripping out that you know our tupuna did it and they did it no electricity mm-hmm. no electronic equipment and you do utilize those traditional navigational techniques don't you Yes. On Hokulea there's no modern instruments so it's navigated uh, traditionally um, on Hikanalia, there's you know there's all the electronics around there for the because the media is mostly off of Hikanalia. There's also GPS, but it's not used on the voyage, you know, unless in an absolute emergency. I'm sure that's what it's there for. But um, everything is done traditionally. But you know, like you're, you're saying, how uh, Tupuna, you know, voyage like that. I, and I think about that. I mean, even Hokulea doesn't have modern instruments, but you know, it has. Uh, you know, it's fiberglass, and there's a lot of, you know, they're not coconut senates, they're not the lines, and, you know, so I, it's made my respect for our ancestors mm-hmm. even deeper because, you know, imagine trying to pull these heavy lines made out of coconut senate with bare hands, and, um, yeah, their bravery is, um, wow, is beyond anything I can think of. You know, for me personally, um, like Mon is talking about the physical fitness and medical fitness we have to go through and all these training, you know, um, we prepare for the voyage and I'm sure our ancestors, you know, had their own way. They didn't do it like this, but, you know, when they travel, when they voyage, it was the whole family and the chicken and the pigs and the dog, I mean, whatever, the, you know, everything went. And so... Um, and if people died on that voyage, it was also the bodies as well. That's right. That's right, right, because they just didn't dump them over the, the, the canoe or anything like that. But, you know, it's, uh, I, it really, really, it, it, it hits me really hard at the heart, you know, to think, because they were purposeful in their voyage, you know, they, we weren't drifters as, you know, some 
um, anthropologists or ethnoth uh, or Thaihardal Hardal thought. You know, we didn't drift from South America or anywhere like that. Um, and the the best thing I think about this voyage is that science is validating what our you know the oral histories. Science and oral history are just you know they're blending more and more, and I think it's just such a beautiful thing. In the journeying, you've spoken about how it's given you a wider appreciation of our tupuna. What about kinship links between other peoples of Polynesia? Oh, absolutely. Um, I work for the College of Social Sciences Ethnic, Dis uh, De Ethnic Studies Department at UH, and my particular job is bridging the gap between, especially those in the Micronesian community, with other Polynesians, including Hawaiian, Samoan, and Tongan. So um, I like going pre-colonial, um, you know, times, and that's I find it really a lot easier in engaging the children when we go back that far, you know, because when you look at the colonial borders, everyone is separated. You know, and how Epeli, you know, Tongan anthropologist Epeli Haofa talked about how the ocean is our, you know, we're not these tiny little islands. I mean, we are this entire nation, and the ocean is just like, you know, the like the roadway and the pathway to each other. And, yeah, that's huge. I, I know for me and, you know, probably I'm sure for Moani as well and a lot of, you know, us um, Pacific Islanders um, that are voyaging, uh, making those links, you know, and, you know, also in my future work as an archaeologist, I'd like to, you know, hope to someday, I don't know, discover something that is kind of, you know, maybe it's a pipe dream, but, um, you know, just to validate those links. I mean, not validate, but scientifically, you know, more and more maybe discover something that um, is a little bit more um, concrete, you know, than circumspect and... I think um, this worldwide voyage is also not just the Hawaiians going around the world, but it's we're taking everyone with us. So when we left, when the canoes left for Tahiti, we had two Tahitians on board, you know, and when the canoes left for Samoa, they had Samoans on board. And we were fortunate to be the Tongans on board when the canoes arrived in Tonga. And now arriving in New Zealand, there are four Maoris on board, you know, so it's not necessarily just the Hawaiians that are going around the world because that's not really the message we want. We want it to be like, this is a kako thing, you know, and this is, the Hawaiians can't change the world. You know, it takes what the... What does kako mean? Kako yeah, is everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, um, that's not the message we want. We don't want it to be like, oh, the Hawaiians are trying to change the world or make the world a better place, but we want everyone in the world to change the world mm. and make the world a better place for our, for our, not for ourselves but for the generations to come Absolutely. you know because you know we we got this earth from the generations before us and we're trying to clean it up make it a better place for the generations that are to come yeah and um mahalo to you Maraya, and to everyone in Aotearoa for hosting the va'as um and then follow us hokulea.com uh, we also have an Instagram, Hokulea WWV. We have Twitter and Facebook, um, Hokulea. Just look us up, you know, and follow the voyage. Um, and we have um, a tracker, and you can know every 15 minutes where the canoes are. Hokulea, uh, 
H-O-K-U-L-E-A.com.